Good morning. You may be seated. It is always exciting to welcome you this morning from the baptistry as we will celebrate new life in Christ this morning. And so I uh, just wanted to, to, to greet you and welcome you officially uh, from Northside Baptist Church. If you are our uh, home folks, we're glad that you're here. But maybe, maybe you're a guest, and we're excited that you're here as well. If you're a first-time guest, or, or maybe a second-time or third-time guest, but you, but you haven't given us your information about you know, contact information, how we can get to know you, would love for you to do that. It's a part of your bulletin you can tear out and place in the offering plate or give to one of the ministers at the end of the service. We would love to know who you are and how we can minister to you. Uh, and so you'll have an opportunity to greet one another in just a minute. But I want to celebrate this morning from uh, the... The, the baptistry as we have new life that, that we're going to celebrate and so Gabriel, Gabriel Kennedy if you will come on down uh, Gabriel has been with us now for uh, several weeks uh, just, just uh, a few months and his his, his uh, mom Jane has been part of our church and Gabriel first came to me Gabriel first came to me a few weeks ago and wanted to talk about baptism and that kind of thing. And then uh, two Sundays ago, came forward and said, hey, I'm, I'm ready, it's time. And so we, we talked a little bit over the last couple of weeks and um, very confident in, in Gabriel and, and his belief in the Lord Jesus Christ as, as his Savior and as his Lord. Uh, and so step on up here just a little bit so people can see, can, can see you. Uh, this is, again, this is Gabriel. He's a, he's a seventh grader uh, at Magic Middle School, and it's been a, a joy to get to know him a little bit over the last few months. And, uh, so this morning, uh, we're going we're gonna to baptize Gabriel and welcome him to our family and to the family of God. Gabriel, just have a question for you. What is your profession of faith? Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Amen. And Gabriel, based upon your profession of faith, it's my privilege, my brother, to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ and raised to walk. Raised to walk in a newness of life. Amen. I want to I pray for us this morning. Father, I want to thank you for Gabriel and his, and, and, and his example to us as following the example first set forth by Jesus Christ upon, uh, upon his baptism. And Father, we, we read in the, in the New Testament so many folks who gave their life to Jesus and then were followed up in, in baptism. And Lord, I just, uh, I know there's nothing saving in these waters. But what a picture it is as we identify with Christ and his crucifixion, his burial, but also in his resurrection. That not only does it change our life now, it changes our life for all of eternity. Lord, go with us this day and as we continue our worship, may we worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you stand now and greet one another, shake somebody's hand, let them know you're excited to be in God's house today. Can I have a 
That's okay. That's perfect. That's exactly what I did before. Thank you. You might not be able to do that. That's okay. That'd be fine. service here. It being Mother's Day, we have some we we have some new life in our church. Not only do we celebrate new life and the spiritual matter and, and baptism, but we also this morning will celebrate new physical life. And so I have to I have to use my notes this morning on this. If you will please forgive me. Um, I want to ask Obviously, you will have to be accompanied by your parents and grandparents and other family members, but if we could have Margaret, Hattie, Wyatt, and Adeline to come up come up front, please, and just kind of make your way across, across the front of our sanctuary here. Take your time. Good morning. I uh, I want to I, I want to hold a baby. <laughs> oh boy. Hey Wyatt. Hey buddy. Yeah, you'll have to help me out with the others. <laughs> this is Wyatt. Wyatt Holt, right? Let me. Uh, I, I, I have to read this because this wasn't my note. This came straight from Ashley. Wyatt, being the fifth and last child, <laughs> was named after Ashley's mom's youngest brother and also the fifth and last. And Holt is Dustin's mom's maiden name. Wyatt is a, is a name that means firm or solid, strong, I think like an oak planted by a river. 
strong and not, not easily moved. And so we ask a, a blessing on you today that uh, you are strong in your faith and not easily moved. Uh-oh, did I kick a shoe off? Lindsay warned me about wearing a dark colored shirt today. This is Margaret. Hey, Margaret. Oh, I got a smile. I have to read this too. Uh, Margaret, you're named after Dustin's paternal great grandmother. Sweet. Margaret means pearl. Did you know that? You must have. You're smiling. Pearl, a precious gem, something to be treasured. The Bible says when we find a great pearl that the man sells everything he has to, to obtain it. We're talking about the kingdom. And uh, I think how precious life is. And a sweet girl, a pearl, a precious gem, something to be treasured. is named after Ashley's maternal great-grandmother. Um, Hattie, someone that rules her home well. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we, we need folks with, with strong Christian homes and strong Christian values. And on this Mother's Day, Mama's, yeah, you're, that's right, you're smiling. It's a, we need good, strong homes good, strong families. And I think about that as a blessing for, for Hattie. my favorite service so far. That's awesome. I want to just ask a couple of questions for the, the parents, and then I'll uh, address the congregations. We have this, this baby dedication this morning, and this is different than what we just did in the baptistry. That baptism uh, for Gabriel was something based upon his decision to trust in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and we don't do that with babies because they haven't come to that decision yet. But this is a dedication to say that we as parents and we as a church are going to do all that we can to 
to raise these children up so that one day they do get to go through the baptismal waters based upon their faith in, and trust in Jesus Christ. And so just, just a couple of questions. First of all, to the parents, and if you will, respond with, we do. Do you recognize, I'll tell you what, let me turn around and look at the parents. Do you recognize that children are a gift from God and you thank Him and glorify Him for the gift of your sons and daughters? Do you accept the joys and responsibilities of parenting, <laughs> promising to give proper love and care to your child throughout his or her life? With the help that God provides, do you commit to teach your children the fullness of God's word and demonstrate through your own example and witness what it means to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself? And then to the congregation. But before I do, I know that there are some of you out here, whether you are related biologically or you are related because you're part of this church. I know especially that some of you have helped a lot with the triplets lately. I just want to ask if you would stand and just be recognized as already being a part of, of these children's lives. Would you please stand? All right. Thank you. To the congregation, if you will respond with we will, will you offer your ongoing love, support, prayers, and encouragement to these parents as they seek to train up their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord? Will you also be faithful in praying for these children and help teach and set a godly example for them so that they might one day come to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior? Let's pray. Father, again, I come to you and just thankful for new life. New life that we celebrate with these children. New life that we celebrated in the, baptism, in, the, in the baptistry this morning. But Father, with that comes responsibility. There are certainly joys, but there's a responsibility to train up our children. God, help us. Give us the strength, the grace that we need as parents, as a church family, teach and train our children. It's in Jesus' powerful name I pray. Amen. If you guys will stand with us again.
Thank you, choir, and I ask our children to join me on the stage, our children's sermon. All right. Or you can <laughs> join yourself way over there. Come on over this way. Come on over. Come on. All right. How are we doing this day? Well? Well? Okay. Well. Hey, listen. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but today is little bit different kind of day, something maybe a little bit special about today. Anybody know what I might be talking about? What? Just let me hear it. Mother's Day. That's right. That's right. So um, I'm excited about Mother's Day. I hope that you are. Uh, Mother's Day, listen, uh, is it the only day of the year that we love our mothers? <laughs> Look, if I ask a question up here, realize two of them belong to me, there's just this equal chance that uh, somebody may say something that we, in fact, if you've been with us long enough, you know that I've had things said from up here that, well, we just have to talk about when we go home. <clears throat> but, yeah, so we, we love our mothers all the time, right? Now, here's the real question. Do we always show them that? Well, listen, here's, here's something that we talk about at my house, and it may sound a little harsh, but whenever, whenever somebody disobeys, does that, does that ever happen in our house, Hannah? Yeah, it does? Okay. All right, whenever somebody disobeys, one of the things that, that we say sometimes is, well, if you don't obey me, maybe you just don't love me, right? We, we kind of talk through that. That's, that's kind of harsh, right? But, you know, the, the Bible talks about that, and, and, and Jesus says, if you love me, you will follow my teachings. You'll obey my commandments. And so I can't help but think if he knows what love is, that, that maybe that's something we ought to talk about. And if you really love your parents, you'll obey them. But the Bible even talks about even a little bit more. It says to honor them, to honor them. That's Sometimes, even if your mom or dad is not around, or maybe... Maybe, uh, you know, they're just not right there in the room with you. You still behave as if they were, and you, you behave, and you do the things that you know that they would appreciate. But today, I want you to think about your mom and think about one little thing that you can do to make her smile. Now, it could be saying I love you. It could be giving her a hug. It could be maybe... Maybe even cleaning up your plate after lunch without being told or picking up toys out of the room and, and straightening up your room or just maybe just being nice in some way, some way to let your mom know that you love them because you really do love them, right? Yeah, you do. You do. All right, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for mothers. Um, Lord, I, I thank you for godly mothers that teach and train and Lord, the, the, the grace that they display in our lives. Lord, thank you for these children who are here. And if we have opportunity, if we have that chance to just, maybe it's a phone call or, or some way to talk to our moms today, to say I love you, may we take that opportunity. 
in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you'll stand once more. How merciful the
we will be in the book of Acts here in just a minute. But I wanted to highlight one of our ministries this morning, and we will, we will look to do this over the next several weeks, over the next several months, to highlight various ministries within our church. And I've asked Lucretia Ingram if she will come and just share just a brief testimony about the women's ministry. morning and talk about our women's ministry and so as it being Mother's Day I thought of a time um, not too long ago a couple couple years ago it was the, the most memorable Mother's Day I think I've ever had um, it wasn't a birth of a child it wasn't the birth of a grandchild it wasn't anything so perfect and wonderful and lovely as that um, by the way kudos to all the babies for acting so good this morning <laughs> during baby dedication that was wonderful no um in in fact we were selling our home and we were going to um concrete or cement in our um our mailbox we had bought this new little dandy product there are giggles that the home depot dude said this is the way it's done now you don't buy the concrete quickcrete stuff you just buy this little pack, you break the seal, you shake it up, you pour it in, everything's good. It's so easy, so perfect. You'll never go back to Quitcrete again. So we did that. We read the instructions. I'm the instruction reader in our household. I read the instructions. I followed them. I waited a little long to cut the bag open because it was getting bigger and it, and it freaked me out a little bit. So when I cut the bag open on Mother's Day, this green stuff exploded from the bag and it went straight down my hair, right down the middle of my hair. And so as any female would do, I freaked out, I freaked out. And I went running into the house Put, tearing off all my clothes into the shower and I and I go and I start to shower and try to get this stuff out of my hair and a lot of you guys will know this but like the green stuff had polyurethane in it and apparently when you get water on polyurethane it makes it like harden so getting into the shower was probably the very worst thing that I could have done on Mother's Day green it was green so I start. I, I freaked out. I'm not gonna lie. I thought I was gonna have to shave my head. I thought I was gonna have to get a wig. I thought all these things, but I reached out to my friend because um, my boys were of absolutely no use. They didn't know what to do on Mother's Day. Had no clue what to do. No clue where to turn. No clue. I mean, they just didn't know what to do with themselves. And so I called. I reached out to a friend just looking for some hope, just encouragement just it's going to be okay but instead that friend came over and she brought baby oil and acetone and um, combs and she proceeded to stay at my house on mother's day until well after midnight combing out all of the polyurethane cement that was in my hair and there was many chunks of hair missing after that it was a little thin up here for a long time many many months um, but I said that I say all of this for two reasons for one um, Mother's Days are not always perfect 
and that's okay. I'm pretty sure that's why God has established me as the director of our women's ministry, is to just reach out to all of those ladies out here in the world that don't ever, ever have those perfect Mother's Day moments. Or any other day, if you know my family. <laughs> just nothing goes right as it's supposed to. Um, you burn picnic tables down when you go camping and things like that. And so the other thing that I wanted to reach out and tell the story, the other reason, was because that friend that showed up in the middle of Mother's Day to comb out cement out of her friend's hair, um, I met right here in this building um, in a time where I, it was a very, you know, very serious time for us. And so um, I met her right here in all of my imperfectness and all of my um, craziness. Um, this was the place that God chose to give me that friend who would show up for me um, in a time when probably very few other people would, would do that. Turns out I've developed many more friends who have shown up for me on the other occasions that we need them, like when the bees took over our camper and made a honeycomb out of it. And so that's where that's what God has done, and he's done it through our women's ministry. And I want to reach out to you guys and let you know that um, we're not perfect. We're not, we're not pretty perfect people, and we don't always have pretty perfect situations. Sometimes when we're looking for that one baby, God gives us three. <laughs> and when we say we don't know how we're going to make it through the next hour, people just show up to take care of situations for us. And that's how God works. And, and it's beautiful to see it. Um, this year we're studying what it means to be a woman and what it looks like to live for God in our women's ministry. So we're about to kick off our summer Bible study series. We're going to go back through, um, so not back through, we haven't studied these, but we're going to cover some more ladies that we haven't studied yet. And so after June, after Bible study, after, or not Bible study, VBS, after all the craziness of the end of the year, when it's our time as parents to just breathe for a second, um, ladies, we're going to be meeting. We're going to meet together. And I want you to know that it's a safe place. It's a safe place to come and to learn about Jesus, to learn about God and who he wants you to be, um, to share those moments like, oh my, I had green cement in my hair. And it's okay because we will love you through that and, and we will love you through whatever it is that you have to go through in your life. So um, I'm very thankful that you had, Pastor BJ talked about that today, about disobedience in our house, because it just went right along with it. It was like, it was like, who knows, like God had said, this is what you need to say this morning. So thank you for the opportunity to share about our women's ministry, and I hope to see some of you um, this summer and even more than um, throughout the year. If you will, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We will be, I'll be reading verses 41 through 43. I would ask if you are able to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Acts 2, 41 through 43. So those who accepted his message were baptized. 
and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are and your word that you've given to us to teach us, instruct us, and guide us. Father, I pray that we would hear a message from you today. Let your word speak, and may we listen. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can be seated. Now what I read to you said in verse 43, fear came upon or came over everyone. But maybe, maybe the version that you have says something more like this. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. A sense of awe. That's the, the New American Standard. I think the NIV has it that way. But it says everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And that captured my attention because there's a couple of different ideas that come with the word awe. It could be like earlier we had these cute little babies. Awe. Or it could be something that is really awesome and you almost don't have words for it and, and you're just overwhelmed with it. That's the intention I think that, that the writer here has for us. It's something that overwhelms us. And so I began to think, how do I get there? When's the last time I've been overwhelmed with the presence, the power of God that I was in a, that there was a sense of awe that came over me? And it's hard to describe exactly what it's like, but I think you, you guys know that when you've experienced it. I remember as a child getting the opportunity to go to see the Grand Canyon. And as I stood on the edge of the Grand Canyon, there was, all of a sudden, all the school children that were talking, it just kind of got quiet because we were in a, there was a sense of awe in looking at this, looking at this awesome work of God. And uh, I remember a, a particular wedding that I was a part of. Now, when I go to, to weddings, when the bride comes in, I know a lot of people look at the bride, I have begun to look at the groom because I want to see the expression on his face. And so, and, and I like to watch the groom's expression as the bride comes in and he sees his bride coming down. And this particular wedding was different than others I've been to or since because I was the groom. Um, but I, I remember a sense of awe. I remember a sense of awe when I saw my bride turn and, and come down the come down the aisle, and and I remember a sense of awe when I, this just this, this overwhelming when my children were born. Like, what am I doing? I have no idea, and and there is this just sense that it it kind of goes beyond expression, but you understand it when you experience it. Um, but it's not just that they were overwhelmed at God. Look look at the passage again. It, it says in verse 43, many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Wonders and signs. Now, I told you last week that there was a verse that you needed to pay attention to because we were going to revisit it. And I'm sure that you all remember that, okay? But if, if you go back to verse 22, there's some language that's used there in Peter's sermon as he's describing Jesus. This Jesus, the Nazarene, was a man appoint, appointed out to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs. It's the same kind of language Peter used to describe Jesus. It's the same language now that's being used to describe the apostles in the church. They were performing miracles and signs and wonders. And, and that, I believe because of the power of the Holy Spirit working in them, and they see these wonders and these signs and these miracles, they're struck 
with a sense of fear or a sense of awe. And I wonder, can we get there? Is there a way to cultivate that? Can we, can we grow a sense of awe? And if so, how do we do it? But as we continue reading, we see an answer to a question, what was the early church doing? Were they cultivating a sense of awe? Just exactly what were they doing? What, to what did they devote themselves? And I believe if you will see there in verse 42, you'll find four practices that the early church was doing. There, there, there are four things here that Luke outlines for us. First of all, they were holding to the apostles' teachings. They were holding to the apostles' teachings. The next we see is that they were in fellowship with one another. Thirdly, they took part in the breaking of bread. And finally, they committed themselves to prayer. And so we're going to look at each one of these things this morning and see how we might be able to do that as well. Because they weren't out looking for a sense of awe. They simply were practicing what it means to be the early church, what it means to be the church. So first of all, we have the apostles' teaching. Well, what is this? What is the apostles' teaching? What makes it the apostles' teaching? What's different about it? Well, it is a little different than these, just the Old Testament scriptures. It is a little bit different than just teaching from the prophets in the Old Testament. It is actually the fulfillment of the prophets in the Old Testament because it is the, what distinguishes the apostles' teachings from, that, the, from, from the teachings of the Sanhedrin or the teachings that were going on in the temple. The apostles were teaching that this Messiah that's been prophesied about for years is, in fact, Jesus Christ. That is what makes the apostles' teaching different. All the truths about who God is, all of, the, all of those foundational uh, things that, that he has established, they're still true, but what makes it different is that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. <laughs> Excuse me. Now, it differs from the law and the prophets in that regard, but it's not that we toss out the Old Testament. The Old Testament informs what we know about the New Testament. In fact, I have... I, I love every time I learn something new in the Old Testament, I think, oh, wow, there's something there that helps me understand New Testament teaching even deeper uh, into a, a greater meaning. So if, if the apostles' teaching is about Jesus, then it's fair to ask the question, well, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Now, if you'll remember, Peter had a confession one day that the, uh, there, were, there was a lot of question about who Jesus was, and he asked him, he said, Jesus looked at his disciples, he said, who do men say that I am? And they gave various answers from, you know, John the Baptist or Elijah or whatever, different answer, your prophet or whatever, but Peter, Peter spoke up when Jesus asked this question, he says, okay, well, that's who men say that I am, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus looked at Peter and he said, blessed are you. Blessed are you. Because flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. And because of what you said right now, what you said, I will build my church on that. I can build my church on that confession. So, yeah, Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, I think that that is sufficient to cover who Jesus is, perhaps, it is certainly necessary, but there is a little more that we can use to describe Jesus. Um, 
Jesus is the Messiah. Okay? There's a little bit more. For starters, I just want to, just this morning, I want to read to you an excerpt from the Baptist faith and message. Since we're Southern Baptists here. And just listen to how the Baptist faith and message describes who Jesus is. Christ is the eternal Son of God. In his incarnation as Jesus Christ, he was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus perfectly revealed and did the will of God, taking upon himself human nature with its demands and necessities and identifying himself completely with mankind yet without sin. He honored the divine law by his personal obedience and in his substitutionary death on the cross, he made provision for the redemption of men from sin. He was raised from the dead with a glorified body and appeared to his disciples as the person who was with them before his crucifixion. He ascended into heaven and is now exalted at the right hand of God where he is the one mediator, fully God, fully man, in whose person is affected the reconciliation between God and man. He will return in power and glory to judge the world and to consummate his redemptive mission. He now dwells in all believers as the living and ever-present Lord. This is Jesus. This, the teachings about who Jesus is, his gospel, that he is the Messiah, this establishes a, a, a significant difference in the apostles' teaching and the teaching of anything else in the world. And I would, de I would declare to you, if you were ever at a church which did not preach the gospel of Jesus, declare him as Messiah, that you need to run because you're not in a church, you're in some cult, but you need to run to find a church that does preach that Jesus Christ and, and holds to the apostles' teachings. That is significant. It's not just about how you feel better today. It's not just about what you can do to have a better home life. It's not just about what you can do to raise your children or to have a, a godly business and to get along with your coworkers. All that is fine, but it has to be rooted in who Jesus Christ is. That's the apostles' teachings. Well, let's move on. So we have the apostles' teachings but we also have fellowship. We have fellowship. Now, I have on the screen a couple of what I'll call icons. And so as we go through this, you'll see these. These are just some that, that I've developed along the way. It's a, it's, a, it's a kind of a method of understanding what it means to be a disciple. And so just, just for instance, that first one, there's a picture of the Bible. There's the heart with a cross in it. Uh, and so understanding who Jesus Christ is. If I could summarize it in one word, it would be believe. We want you to believe correctly about who Jesus Christ is and hold to the apostles' teachings. But the next is fellowship. Now, fellowship, a lot of times we think about, hey, if you want to join our church, then you need to be baptized and have a 9 by 13 casserole dish. But, now there's no harm in that. I mean, yeah, so, but... It's not just about a potluck dinner or, or something along those lines. Philippians 1.5 says that there was a cooperation for the work of the gospel. That's fellowship, that we cooperate together, that we see into one another. I've heard it described this way, that intimacy is into me you see. Now, even for somebody that's not good at English, that's, I, I understand that. Intimacy, into me you see. Now, we share life together. Now, our, our Western culture... We, we emphasize individualism a lot, okay? And I, I'm okay with that. But there, in the, in the old, in the first century, Jerusalem, and it's still in many cultures in the world today, there's, a more, there's more sense of family. 
and doing things together as a, as a community, that people would do things together, especially in the first century. They would go to worship with their neighbors because that's, that's, that's who they had. And, and they lived in, uh, along next to each other, and they understood who, was, who were their neighbors. They would uh, they'd go down to the well together, and they would draw water for the day. Uh, there was just a strong sense of, of family. Maybe if there was a, if, if the roof needed repair, there was a patch on the roof that the neighbors would come and patch the roof. Uh, they may even discipline one another's children. Okay? For us today at Northside, though, because really, if, if you look at a map, if I, play, if I, if I put pins on a map, we're, we're scattered over a, a large portion of Coweta County and maybe even beyond. Uh, but how do, we, how do we do this? How do we fellowship? Listen, I can never emphasize the importance of Sunday school. I can't overemphasize the importance of Sunday school. Sunday school is important. And, and being a member of a church is important. It's critical to our spiritual development, I would even go to say. Because, see, if we're in a Sunday school class, if we have joined fellowship with a church, we, we risk being vulnerable. But that's a good thing. We risk being vulnerable. We risk having to tell people about exploding bags of concrete, you know, or other things going on in our life because we need each other, because we need prayer, because we need encouragement. And if I never show you all of my faults, then you don't know how to best pray for me and encourage me. But when I do show you my faults, and you come alongside of me and encourage me and pray for me, and then when there's victory over that, guess what? You get to celebrate with me in that victory as well. And there's a fellowship that takes place. Again, I could never overemphasize the importance of being part of a Sunday school class. We subject ourselves to one another. And listen, I know this is not very correct in our world today, but look, if you're part of this family, and I'm a part of this family, I do have the right to look and, and judge. But listen, I help correct, and vice versa. You look at my life, you can help judge me and correct me, because it's done out of a mutual understanding of love and being part of a family. And we desire godliness in one another. And we want to see God, I want to see God, I want to see Jesus Christ manifested in your life. And I hope you want to see Jesus manifested in my life. And I promise you, I ain't there yet. And so, I need people to come alongside me and correct me and guide me. And even if I resist to begin with, but I know you love me, give me a, give me a little bit of time and I might just come around. Being a member of the of the family that is Northside. If you don't have a church home that you say, that's my home, I would encourage you to consider Northside. And let's make it your home. If you're not part of a Sunday school class, find us, come talk to me, come talk to one of our elders, we'll find you a Sunday school class. It's important to be a part of life, to, to be a part of a family, a Christian, a spiritual family. We do life together. And so if the first thing is that we understand the apostles' teachings, we believe correctly, being part of a fellowship is that we belong together. 
And I want you to feel like you belong to Northside and that Northside belongs to you. Let's move on. The next thing it says that they participated in was the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread. Now, I have to wonder here, is Luke referring to just an ordinary meal or is he refer, re, referring to the Lord's Supper? The same verb is used of, of both in, in, in the Gospel of Luke. But listen, it says this, uh, a commentator says this, it's generally supposed that the early disciples attached so much significance to the breaking of bread at ordinary meals, more than just our saying grace, that they followed the meal with the Lord's Supper at first. A combination called agape or love Peace. It's possible, it's possible that here Luke is talking about the Lord's Supper and it's following an ordinary meal. But Acts chapter 20, if you read that, Acts 20 verse 7, it seems that they've come together especially for the observance of the Lord's Supper there. And perhaps there's no way to conclusively understand what he's talking about when he says the breaking of bread. But just if you have any ounce of trust in me, as I've studied Luke and I've studied the Acts, I feel like he's talking about the Lord's Supper. That's what I feel like he's talking about when he's talking about breaking of bread, not just, not just an ordinary meal together. And so if we go, if we go well on that understanding of the, of the breaking of bread to mean the Lord's Supper, what does it mean for us? Well, when we come together on the, and, and we observe the Lord's Supper, we take that bread or that wafer, we take the cup with a good old Welch's grape juice in it, and what we're doing, uh, it, 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 at least in some regards, we're saying, I identify with Jesus Christ. We do that when we come to the, the baptistry. We identify with Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. I am now identified with that. We take that bread and we take the cup and we say, I identify with Christ. His bread... This, this body that was broken for me, I'm crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The hope I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. I've been crucified with Christ. But Romans says if I've been crucified with him, how much more should I identify with him in his resurrection? And so when I take the bread and I take the cup, I'm identifying with Jesus Christ. I want to be like him in every way. I want to be crucified with him, to be resurrected to a newness of life, and one day join him in glory. And so we're saying that we identify with Jesus. But listen, not just his death, burial, and resurrection, but listen to this. In the book of Isaiah, as Isaiah is prophesying about the Messiah, he calls him a suffering servant. At the Lord's Supper itself, when Jesus first instituted the Lord's Supper, as he gave the cup and as he gave the bread, he did one thing to give us a picture of who he was. He got up and got a towel and a basin of water and he served his his disciples. Philippians chapter 2 talks about how Jesus came out of the heavens, lived life on earth, was perfectly obedient to the Father, even to the point of death. When you're perfectly obedient to the one who is over you, you serve them. In Jesus' own words, he says, the, the, uh, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Listen, if I identify with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, i got to identify him in my daily life too. And what does that mean? Well, for me, it means I serve. It means I serve. So here, this little leaf here, we want to identify with Christ. We serve. We serve others. That means we become. We believe, 
We belong and we become. We become like Christ when we think of others and we serve them. There's a number of ways you can serve in the church. Over the next few months, the nominating team will be looking for, pe for, for people to fill our ministries. You've heard from the women's ministry this morning. We're constantly looking for people to serve, whether it's Upward, Awana, men's ministry, women's ministry, bereavement ministry. There's all kinds of ministries here where you can serve. If you want to become like Christ, you say, I need to serve other people. I need to serve his church. God, where have you gifted me? All of us in here, if you're a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. Where have you gifted me, and how can I serve you out of that giftedness? And that is a conversation that every pastor across the country, worth his weight and salt, would love to have. This is where you're gifted? Hey, we can help you serve in this area of giftedness. Love for you to come and talk to me about that. So we believe, we belong, we become like Jesus. The last one is prayers. Our prayers. Now, it's interesting to me as I look at what the prayers might have been, and I just kind of consider what they were praying for. Just, just, just a sampling from the book of Acts itself about their prayers. In chapter 1, in chapter 1, you'll remember Jesus Christ said, uh, to, to, to wait in the city. It says, and then the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and, the, and to the ends of the earth. And then he, he is ascended. He goes up, takes, takes a seat at the right hand of God the Father. What the disciples do next, after they're told to stop looking up and get busy, is they go into the city and they commit themselves to prayer. Acts, Acts 1 verse 14. Verse uh, 14 says, These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Now, what were they praying about? We don't, we're not privy to that. But here's, the, here, here's what I do understand. This is taking place immediately after Jesus' instruction to go and prepare for the coming of the Holy Spirit so that you will be my disciples. I can't help but think that at least part of their prayer was, Lord, prepare us for your Holy Spirit and help us to be your witnesses that's got to be part of what they're praying. They're looking to bless other people. Maybe, maybe they're praying for someone who's sick. Maybe they're confessing their sin. But i got to believe that based upon the few verses we have just before this, that they're preparing themselves for the coming Spirit. Also, in Acts chapter 3, we see that they pray just in the normal. It's just part of their normal life. Because it says this, it, it seems like almost it's just casual to the rest of this story. But chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. That, 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 just, that doesn't seem like a major detail, but it, but it just, when I read it, I understand this. Well, yeah, it was the hour of prayer. So what else were they doing? But they were praying. So it was just a normal part of their life. They, they prayed regularly. <clears throat> One more instance in the, in the book of Acts, chapter 4. There have, been some, there have been some complications for the disciples, for the apostles there. It says they got back together and they prayed for boldness. Chapter 4, verse 31 says, And then they had prayed, or excuse me, and when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak the word of God with boldness. If you take the part in Acts, they're praying for the Holy Spirit to come. Prepare us for the Holy Spirit. Let us go out and be witnesses. Now after the Holy Spirit has come, they're praying for boldness to proclaim the gospel message. I believe that their prayers were prayers for boldness to proclaim the gospel so that they could bless their world. If you take all of these things together, we believe correctly about who Jesus is and the apostles' teachings. We belong to a local fellowship. We belong even to a Sunday school class. We become like Christ in that we serve the church. And finally, we seek to bless others, not just with our prayers, but also in how we carry God's message to the ends of the earth. We pray, God, give me opportunity. Father, give me the words to say to carry the gospel message. And when we think about prayers, it's something we ought to do all the time. And I read this quote not long ago. I, I love it. When we pray regularly, irregular things happen on a regular basis. When we pray regularly, irregular things happen on a regular basis. I love that. There's power in prayer. Sometimes we don't think there is. But there's power in prayer. Can we cultivate a sense of awe? That's where I started this morning. I think ultimately that's the wrong question. Because we don't generate or cultivate a sense of awe. It comes from God as we seek to follow him and his will. As we work for him and he works through us. His power, his power comes to us, his kingdom comes to us, and then his power and his kingdom moves through us. And actually, I'm a little skeptical of people who just try to generate a moment. They just try to coerce or, man, or manipulate the feelings in the room to just generate some special moment or sense of awe because you just be obedient to the Father and allow Him to work through you. The early church, like we said, the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. They believed in Jesus. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They belonged together. To the breaking of bread to become like Christ and prayers for boldness to carry the gospel message to bless their world may we do likewise and maybe just maybe we'll see miracles and signs and wonders and be overtaken by a sense of awe we'll finish the chapter verse 44 now all believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Sounds like a band of believers what we titled the series a band of believers people come together under the name of Jesus Christ serving one another seeking to bless our world let's pray father I want to thank you for who you are thank you for all you've done for us Lord I thank you for our mothers today Lord as we look at the early church we see that they did some things that maybe we haven't seen in a while I don't know Lord, they, they knew who Jesus was, and they worshiped him. 
They knew the mission that they were called to do, and that's what they did. And Father, as they followed you in humble obedience, it says that there were miracles, signs, wonders, a sense of awe, a sense of fear that came over them. Yet, Lord, it says that you added to their number every day those who were being saved. Lord, I love when people are saved. I'd love to add to our church here because people are being saved. Father, may we be struck with a sense of awe, not just, not just praying for that, but may we be obedient to hold to your teaching, to encourage one another, to fellowship together, to really see into people. Father, may we seek to serve, and may we seek to carry the gospel wherever you call us. Lord, if there's anyone here today that has never placed their faith and trust in you, I pray that they would today. That they too could join this, this body of believers, this band of believers, this fellowship, this north side. Or maybe, they, they, maybe someone just does need to join the church or follow through with baptism. Father, maybe that you're placing in someone's heart full-time mission work. Whatever it is, God, however you are speaking, may we listen and respond appropriately. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you will please stand. Maybe God is working with you. You just need to deal with something there in, in your chair. Uh, the altar is open, or I'm here to pray with you if, if you want someone to pray with. But as God speaks, you listen. just a moment ago as he was baptized into our church and so uh, Jane is looking to move her membership from a from a sister church and so she's been with us now for 
for several, yeah, se- several months, and so uh, she already feels like she's part of the church anyway, but she wants to join officially of our, uh, as part of Northside Baptist Church. And so if you're in agreement with that, we just hear a good hearty amen. All right, and so we, we look forward to you guys uh, being here and uh, just grateful that, that you're part of our church now. So, uh, and then in just a minute, you guys come and, and greet them, okay? And so uh, pay attention to your bulletins. There's, there are no services going on here tonight. Next week, next Sunday.